You're listening to the Christ First Podcast. We're so excited for our very first episode today. We have Cami Barrett with us who will be sharing why she chooses to put Christ first in her life. So you can go ahead and start from the beginning of your story, Cami. So just a little background. I grew up in a very predominant, not predominant, and I grew up in a very staunch Mormon family, I guess you could say. My dad had all of the leadership callings you could ask for, and my mom as well. And it was just a thing to, it was just my life, and I never thought to question it, and it was making me happy, and I loved it, and I loved the scriptures, I loved the teachings, I loved the prophet. still do. And then, you know, went on a mission that was tough, had my own experience there, right? Gone in and out of, like, wondering if it was right and always just came back to, like, yes, this is making me happy. The biggest challenge I ever had was when the pandemic hit in 2020 and things were shut down. They shut down the church. They didn't want us to go to church in person and... It was all about, you know, kind of doing it on your own at home. They had you take the sacrament at home. And so, I mean, you know, we've talked about this before, how they had a lot. There was a lot of new accounts coming on Instagram, right? Truther accounts or whatever you want to call them. Lots of misinformation going on, lots of disinformation going on all about the pandemic. But like people were popping up out of the woodworks talking about random things too and just like everyone was on their phones everyone had access to information that was all they were doing because you were stuck at home so that's what I was doing I was on my phone a lot and Instagram and I found an account that was just talking more politically because 2020 the election all of that going on and Um, I was just following her because she was giving me facts that I liked to hear about the candidate I was supporting. And it had nothing to do with religion until somebody, she puts up question boxes, right? And somebody asked her, like, you know, there's so much corruption. Like, is it only in politics? And she's like, no, like, there's corruption everywhere. There's politics big pharma, there's religious, there's, and then she listed like doctors can be corrupt, celebrities can be corrupt, anything. And I'm like, religions can be corrupt? What are you talking about? You know, and somebody else had asked her a follow-up question like, yeah, I used to be a Mormon and now I'm not. It's a very dark religion. And I'm like, Mormon is a dark religion. Like, I've never experienced that before. What is this person talking about? And then the account person um, responded and was like, yeah, I've looked a lot into the LDS church and there's definitely some questionable things. But, you know, the people, you can't blame people. People are not perfect. And so, because people were, you know, bringing up Things that we've all heard about bishops who abuse their power and, you know, do inappropriate things and stuff. And it's like, oh, yeah, I've heard that before or whatever. 
but people were calling out like the big leaders like no the people in salt lake like the the people they call apostles and prophets like they're corrupt and i'm like you know it was very disturbing i'm like you guys are crazy you don't even know you're not part of the religion you probably never listened to general conference because then you would feel the spirit and you would know <laughs> but um so that was kind of put the doubt in my mind from then in 2020 that's when i was really like geez people really hate organized religion because they can't trust the leaders because you know all these other organizations that are you know supposed to be have a standard like maybe a nonprofit or maybe you know you trust you want to trust the leader the authority that's what i was taught growing up is like trust and authority respect authority so i've never questioned that before Anyway, so that in the back of my mind, and I was just like, oh, it's weird. And she kind of posted some some resources to look into, and I was just like, uh, I, it's kind of looking like anti-literature. I don't really want to go there. I did a little bit, and it was just like, oh, this is really uncomfortable, and I don't even know if this is accurate, so whatever. Fast forward to the era of the anonymous question boxes. <laughs> Um, it was a big thing, what, like a year ago? And so people were posting question boxes, you know, and people, you can ask whatever you wanted, and it was anonymous. And a lot of my friends were doing it, and a lot of it was about the religion, like, are you still, um, LDS? And they would say no, and I'm like, what the heck? I had no idea. Like, why would I know? I guess like, it's not like usually people don't post like, I am leaving the Mormon church, you know, on their Instagram, just because that's not necessary. But I mean, some people do. But this person I was following specifically didn't. She's a cousin of mine on my dad's side. And my dad's side is very, like, their focus is the gospel is Christ. Like several of them are seminary teachers or just in the church education system. And this cousin in particular, her dad is an, well, he was, I don't know, maybe they're retired. I need to get my facts straight, but um, he was a professor at BYU-Idaho and taught a religion class. And he's been to BYU-Jerusalem big institution like huge into all the history all the doctrine you have a question he can answer it for you so when she posted her question box and somebody asked her are you still a member of the LDS church and she said yes but I am not active and I have no desire to be I was like whoa that's insane like what's going on so people were hitting her with way more questions after she answered that and was just like why what happened and blah 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 and it started with her husband and then she followed which you know when your spouse leaves that's really hard um and I can't imagine being in her shoes right but the reason she said was she read she's like if you want to start somewhere um start with this CES letter and I'm like CES doesn't that sound for church education system like that sounds like a good thing like <laughs> so yeah and then like I said a bunch of other people were kind of talking about the CES letter as well and I'm like 
okay? I'm the type of person that if you tell me that water is hot, don't touch it. I'm like, 90% of me is like, yeah, you're probably right. But then 10% like, I should just go touch it and see how hot it actually is. Because what if my pain tolerance is different than yours? <laughs> so I'm just a curious person, I guess. Always have been. Always had to do it the hard way, I suppose. But I'm like, I need to read this. Because if my cousin, being raised the same way I have been raised in this dynamic... And knowing her parents and how strong they still are and all of her siblings, I'm like, what is this all about? So I read it and it's long. It was like not a letter. It was like a book, <laughs> a short story about all of the things wrong with the church. All of the things wrong with organized religion in general and just how inaccurate the Book of Mormon is and how there's no evidence to back it up and why did you know why is there no Urim and Thummim evidence from Joseph Smith translating the Book of Mormon and you know that Joseph Smith was a pedophile and married 14 year olds and just a lot with the early history of the church and I thought I was pretty well versed on all of that stuff I thought I knew that I had all the answers, um, but I only have what they teach you and what, you know, what's in the, what do you call it? I guess, like the curriculum, I guess you would call it, or handbooks, whatever. Although it is, you can access the history and read it all for yourself. It's just not taught, you know, regularly at church. So I just never knew any of it and it was really disturbing like definitely made me feel um very confused and questioned I'm like I definitely didn't like the spirit left for sure the spirit left and was just like not with me anymore and I'm just like sitting there <laughs> what do I do with this information um my world kind of crashed for a little bit like a good solid week and I kept coming back to it and just rereading some things and just like man these people really went to town on and if you don't know what the CES letter is it's just it was a member of the church who had a lot of questions and did a lot of deep dives and research into all these questions that he had and he wrote it to the president of the CES or some 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 leader high up person and he never got a response which uh he claims he never got a response right like I don't really know what actually happened and that was kind of like oh really you didn't get a response like that makes me feel uncomfortable too. Like, why aren't we addressing this? <laughs> but I don't know everything. And neither does that man. I don't know all the details and I don't know all the facts. The only thing I know is my experience and how, how was I going to react to this information? 
So there's also another one that I read I had to read too. It's called A Letter to My Wife. It's kind of the same thing. People describe it as less of a blow to the church, I guess, because it's like it explains it not so bluntly. I don't know. It felt the same to me. <laughs> it was just as like um, attacking or whatever you want to call it. Um, I wouldn't say they were attacking, actually. It was very well written and very just like matter of fact, like this is what I found, you know, and it that kind of appealed to me too. I'm like, you know, this person isn't trying to attack the church. They just have legit questions. So anyway, I didn't tell anybody that I'd read it because I didn't want to talk about it. And for a while, I just didn't even want to do anything that related to religion. And a lot of these people that have left the church because of this letter are like, they don't even believe in God anymore. And I'm like, whoa, like I understand where they're coming from because once you, if you decide to believe that Joseph Smith was not a prophet, that the Book of Mormon is not true scripture, and that none of it is true, it's hard to even believe. It feels like every all of it is just a big conspiracy theory. So why would the Bible be true? It feels like a big conspiracy theory. Like there's no, there's everything just like doesn't make sense anymore. So it makes a lot of sense for people to be like, I'm just done with God, like in general. Like I just can't even go there anymore because it feels way too far-fetched all of a sudden when you put it all together like that. And it really, yeah, it just makes you confused which is exactly what Satan wants, right? We are taught he wants the confusion and he wants us to doubt. And man, this is a strong one. Like if you're questioning anything and you read this, like you'd be out, you'd be out in a second. I didn't go in with a question. I was just like, what is this all about? I feel like I need to know so that I'm prepared if anyone ever approaches me like have you read this it's like oh yeah I have actually and I wasn't expecting to come away questioning anything but I totally was <laughs> um but and I still have questions like you said I still have uncomfortable feelings about maybe the early things of the church and things that happened but as I went through this, like, very confusing, very uncomfortable time, like, did not open my scriptures, went to church, didn't, like, I just felt, like, yucky. Like, I was just like, I know this is good and I want to be here and my kids love church, but, like, I'm feeling super weird about this and, like, I didn't help tell my husband either, but, um... It was hard to get out of, honestly, uh, and I'm still kind of in it, to be honest. Like, I don't, I don't know that I can bear my testimony about Joseph Smith right now, but I'm still here, and I'm still gonna take my kids to church, and I'm still gonna tell them what I do know, which I do know that the Book of Mormon is true, which 
you know, people say, if you know the Book of Mormon is true, then you know that Joseph Smith was a prophet. But I'm just, it's just not um, connecting with me yet. I'm working on it. But um, what you were saying before, how I can still find peace in Christ, and that's, that's where I go back to. Thankfully, it didn't completely destroy my faith in God. It just made me question, like, the people, the way we're taught in church, when we go to classes and we go to institute, we go on a mission, we go to seminary, like, the leaders are revered. Like, Joseph Smith, Brigham Young, all of them clear up to President Nelson. They're revered. They're respected. My dad loves Joseph Smith, like, so much, and he gets so emotional every time he talks about it. And I get it. Like, he sacrificed a lot, and it's hard to look at his life and be like, he was an evil man, you know? Like, I don't believe he was an evil man at all. I just don't think he was as perfect as people make him out to be. And neither was Brigham Young. Like, people say all the time, like, stuff that he said— and I'm like, whoa, like that would not be okay in our day and age. And it probably wasn't okay back then either. But I think that, and you can see this in the scriptures, God chooses people and he chooses people for a reason. And they're not going to be perfect. They're not going to be like Christ. That's why he had to send Christ was because nobody could do it like him. Like you'll read I mean, in the Bible, there's all kinds of weirdos <laughs> that were, that he was working through. And I mean, there's Paul and Saul or Saul to Paul, whatever. I shouldn't be quoting things that I don't know a lot about, but I, I just know that there's stories of people that are just not perfect. And I think it's hard for people to realize that so close like the bible feels so far away and it's like oh back in the day like who knows what the culture was really like like maybe that was normal to have a guy just go chopping heads off for god you know or like in the book of mormon nephi had to kill laban you know and it's like well he's a murderer and that's not okay right now like he would go to jail and people who you know do things in the name of God and murder people, like, that's psychotic. But that's what happened in the Bible, <laughs> in the Book of Mormon. And it's kind of like, wow, that's pretty weird. But that's just how he worked. And so it's just hard to put it in perspective when Joseph Smith was only, he's only 200 years old. And so it's hard to not want him to be perfect because he restored the gospel. He did so much, and we talk about him all the time, and he died for the cause, like he was murdered for the cause. So my point was, I had to come to terms that he's not as perfect as I thought he was, and that's okay. He doesn't have to be, but the doctrine has to be. And if you want to look at the doctrine... What does it do for you? You know, does it make you feel confused and sad and unhappy? It doesn't for me. And so that's what I had to 
think through. It took me a long time to process everything and just be like, you know what? Do I want to give this up? Because it's only brought me peace and happiness. And everything I've learned about Christ has brought me peace and happiness. And I don't want to give that up. Like, my kids need that. We need that in this world. Yeah, it's so true. I totally recognize and appreciate that everyone is on their own journey. There's beauty in everyone's story. And there's no timeline for it. And it's like, if this isn't right for you right now, that's okay. If that's if it's not right for you until the next life, then that's okay too. Like, we are constantly on a journey. Um, but for me, it has always been bringing it back to Christ. And, you know, with questions like that with, with Joseph Smith, I haven't read all of the CES letters. I've read, like, bits and pieces of it. And it's just like you said, it's confusing. The spirit goes away. It is so um, poignant that when we follow Christ and set our sights and our intentions and everything on him, how, um, how much peace we feel. And there is no confusion. There is no doubt. There is joy and peace and um, that's what I always come back to. And, but it is hard. Like you said, we put our leaders up on this pedestal and think they can do no wrong. But there's a reason that God sent Christ, a perfect being, to establish his church. And so whenever our foundation is set in Christ, we can continually come back to that. But for you, what do you feel like helped you establish that foundation and eventually come back to it? That's a good question. Um, it takes work. Like you can't just kind of sit there and go through the motions and just be like, I'm good. You have to. You have to want to be there. You have to want to be in the space because. I mean, it's like that picture of Christ knocking on the door with no handle, you know? Like, he's there, but you have to open the door. And so I think that's just the main thing. If I could say anything to anyone who might be in a similar situation, is just like, find ways to show him your faith so that he can show you that it's all going to be okay. Um, and I think laying a foundation is different for everybody. Because for me, it's not, I'm not like a studious person, like studying the scriptures for hours doesn't, I mean, of course it's going to help me. Like, I'm not going to say it doesn't help me, but <laughs> it's just not what's what I need. Um, I need more of a personal touch, I suppose. And so I just think it's different for everyone. And once you figure that out, you can find the peace and the joy that everyone talks about. Like we're talking about that a lot. And I bet a lot of people are like, well, I just never felt that way. Or I can't feel that way. Or that's why I left because I don't even know what you're talking about. And it's like, 
I know, I get it. It takes work to figure out what, how Heavenly Father speaks to you. And it's not the same for everybody. So finding that foundation and laying it and keeping it strong is just a loaded question. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's totally different for everyone. And it, it takes a long time, you know? It's like I laid that foundation and, and continually laying that foundation over the course of a lifetime. Um, but for you now, how do you put Christ first in your life? What are things that you do, um, at least that help you on on your journey of continually laying that foundation? Well, somebody in the church has said, see, I'm so bad with like names and quoting people and whatever, but just that anything, I think it was Elder Bednar actually, if I'm going to quote anybody, he's a good one. Um, that anything good comes from God. So that's what I'm focusing on is really focusing on the things that make me feel good, like serving others and being a good person in general, you know, like it's silly, but really just being more friendly to people. Like it's really hard to get like a friendly face to see, like people are so involved with their own lives and on their phones and busy and rushing to and fro. And so just being like, hello, and being happy and trying to be in the moment and focusing on what makes me feel happy and joyful, I feel like keeps me closer to Christ. And that's how I can put him first, I guess, is by trying to be that light. Yeah. And that's definitely, it's like our own spiritual gifts, using those gifts that Heavenly Father gave us in order to serve Christ. Matt and I were talking, and we talk about this all the time, like in answering these questions, like, well, how did you put Christ first today? And it's like, well, I did the dishes and you didn't ask me to, or, you know, I was kind to this person at work instead of being mean. And then he brought up a question like, well, how was that putting Christ first? Like, how does that benefit Christ? And it's like, well, that's what he taught. That's what he wants us to do. We show love for him by serving others. It's just so much more fulfilling to have that as your purpose. It's just like being a positive like influence in other people's lives and like trying to build them up. People can, you know, say, I don't need religion to be a good person. It's like, well, neither do I. It's just the fulfillment that you know you have a purpose and you know who you are and your worth is not defined. It was already predetermined by Heavenly Father. I like how you said that, though. It's all about the, you know, going back to like where our motivation comes from or... um you know, you don't have to have religion to be a good person and you just do good things, but having that motivation behind it. We covenant when we're baptized and every Sunday when we take the sacrament to remember Christ and it's all symbolic of that. And so in that way, we're also keeping our covenants 
by, you know, giving him, giving Heavenly Father that credit for what we're doing and not just being like, I'm doing good things because I'm a good person and giving ourselves the credit. But anyways, Cami, um, are there any final thoughts that you would like to leave with us? There's room for everyone, no matter what you're doing or what you're not doing. And I, I know there's a lot of, you should be doing this in, in our organized religion. But, you know, it's important to just have your, your own path and whatever that might look like for you. And it's between you and God. And there's a lot of between you and God, you know. Even in an organized religion, I think people don't really find that a lot. And they're just like, I just want my own thing and I'm going to do it myself. And it's just between me and God. And it's like, you can still do that and be your own person in an organized religion because we have all, we have it all, you know, we have all the restored gospel and it's very necessary. So come back <laughs> <laughs> well thank you so much for sharing your testimony and your your journey with us cammy it was so amazing to hear 